Life after Bryce. That is what we will call this era of Washington Nationals baseball. And since the departure of the superstar to the rival Philadelphia Phillies, it hasn't exactly been smooth sailing in Washington, D.C. What's up, everybody? I'm Tara Wellman. Welcome back to another series preview as the St. Louis Cardinals head to the nation's capital to take on those struggling Nationals. Audrey Stark is joining me today with a unique perspective as someone who has followed and written about both the St. Louis Cardinals and the Washington Nationals, much like my podcast host, Alex Crisofoli. Very familiar with the dual perspectives of East Coast Cardinals fans. So Audrey's joining me today to look at this series between the soaring Cardinals and those struggling Nationals. Well, Audrey, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm excited to talk to you because it's it's interesting to me when I find people who are fans of multiple teams, and I love hearing the backstory to that. So first of all, thanks for joining me. But second of all, how are you a Nationals fan and a Cardinals fan simultaneously? <laughs> I'm a Cardinals fan by birth. I grew up in southwestern Missouri, so it's all Cardinals all the time. And I actually came to D.C. for college and stayed here and... So I've, I've been out here for about seven years before I moved back home, and it's kind of hard to like hate the team that <laughs> you're, that you, you know, whose city you're in. And so they kind of grew on me. Even Bryce Harper kind of grew on me. And like, and 2012 happened, and that was nice. And so I got to experience both like you know the elation of that, and also like the collective sorrow of a city. Um, so that was interesting. And, <laughs> So that's kind of how I ended up being a fan of both teams. Cardinals are number one, obviously, but um, there's a special place in my heart for the Nets. Yeah, you you can't ever get away from it when it's uh, when it's no. in your blood like that. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'm sure that that was uh, a a bit of a recovery period for Nationals fans after 2012 and, oh, and yeah. getting back to a play. I don't know if they're over it yet. I think Pete Cosma is still sort of like a you just don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually, I do. Whenever the Cardinals are in town, I do wear my Cosmic jersey, and I still get, I still get some some comments on it. So, you and my dad might be two of the only people who have Cosmo jerseys. So uh, he would appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, for that reason only. Like I was like, I I love Pete Cosmo for this reason, and therefore I must continue to troll Nationals fans. So. And I'm sure it works out very well, but um, let's let's uh, leave that in the past. We won't dig in too deep at this point. Yeah. Let's talk about the series this week between the Cardinals and the Nationals. Cardinals are kind of firing on all cylinders right now. Well, maybe not. The starting pitching is a bit of a question. We'll Lower. get to that. But for the Nationals, it's been a bit of a struggle starting this season, obviously dealing with not having Bryce Harper after the yeah. saga of what that was over the offseason. So maybe let's start there. What is life like without Bryce Harper in Washington, D.C.? It, it's really weird. Um, I was actually in my cab on the way to the hotel, and we we're driving by the ballpark, and they were like, oh, is the game starting soon? We're like, no, it's it's happening right now. He's like, oh, it's it's kind of empty for a weekend <laughs> game. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's that post-Bryce fatigue. But um, it's... It's just weird because um, he's been here for so long. And especially since I've been a fan, like I became a fan probably like 2013, 2014. And right as Bryce was really starting to you know, come up on the national stage and right before the MVP season. So um, he, he did so much here in D.C. and he was such a superstar and such a big name. It's weird not having him around. Um, so there's this like, I, I mean, me personally, like I feel a lot of loss, but I, 
there's a lot of biggerness here too, for sure. Yeah, I wondered about that because it was kind of, it kind of felt like the writing was on the wall, right? That Bryce wasn't coming back to the Nationals. But there's still that little bit of, Cardinals fans went through it with Albert Pujols. And you know, when that star leaves, there's this sense of like, we weren't good enough for him or whatever, yes. whatever the feeling is there. And that, um, that doesn't go away very quickly. Yeah. As we all know, with yeah. Albert Pujols finally coming back to St. Louis, finally. it sparked a lot of emotions for yes. a lot of Cardinals fans, I think. But the difference between like Albert and Bryce though, is that like Albert went to a completely different league, right? Um, Bryce went to a division rival and it's not even yeah. like it was like the Braves. It's like the Phillies. It's like the rival. betrayal. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, a bit of a a bit of a bitter pill to swallow, I'm sure. Especially, sure. I mean, we saw it in that first series between them. I, I think that's going to be a challenge for a while. But outside of Bryce Harper, there are some shiny new toys. Let's talk a little bit about some of the young guys for this national team. Victor Robles is a story. Um, of course, Carter Keyboom getting called up. And I don't know if everybody saw it, but there's a video out there. Uh, his first hit was a home run, and they also had they had the shot of his parents in the stands, like in yeah. the picture in picture in the corner. Amazing. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. So but cute. It's, it's adorable. so great. Um, I am a sucker for Major League debuts, and that one was as perfect as they come. Nailed but it. Yeah. Let's talk about it. With, with those two guys in particular, there's a ton of talent there. It's mm -hmm. very raw. What can people expect from those two guys? I mean, it's kind of a toss-up. You know, obviously the jump from AAA to the majors is you really never know what you're going to get. Um, and I think Victor Robles is a super super talented defender. I'm not quite so sure whether or not that's going to show up in his offense quite quite as quickly, but I think he'll get there. Carter Kibum, he's only been up here well, three games maybe, and he's already like cranking bombs and, you know, hitting in clutch situations. So like I'm really excited to see where that goes. Um, yeah, he um his that first home run uh, tied the game, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. there was already a second home run. I mean, that's the kind of thing you like to see, but it also mm -hmm. sets up some expectations for that happening every time, which may not yes. be super realistic. <laughs> it may be a beginner's luck rookie situation, you know. It's where he's just getting lucky right now, but I, I mean, he's he's been one that we've been watching for a really long time. His brothers in the organization as well, Spencer. So, um that's been really fun. Um, I think they, um, of the two, I think they're both, they've got really high ceilings. So it's really just what they do with their opportunities right now. I did ask for some questions on Twitter and a couple of people threw some names out there. One of them being Victor Robles. And the question was, is it possible for him to factor into the rookie of the year standings this season? Because there are a lot of super talented guys and, and I feel like this rookie of the year yeah, crop sure. of players, but is he a guy that you think can, uh, can make some noise there? I definitely think so. He was my pick at the beginning of the season, but you know, Pete Alonso and there are a bunch of other um, people factoring in. I'm, I'm not quite sure whether or not, because I think offense plays pretty heavily into that. And I don't know if he's going to hit well enough to make like a big enough impression, but he's certainly a contender in my eyes, but you know, I'm a little biased. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it is? I mean, obviously offensively, that's a huge piece of the puzzle for him, but what is the, the next step? as far as maybe getting that recognition either for the for the defense that fans who watch the Nationals all the time know about, but maybe nationally isn't so well known. 
I don't know. He's got a lot of competition in terms of like Juan Sogo because they're both outfielders and he established himself really well last year. So um, I think really he's kind of climbing out of that shadow, making himself known as like a center fielder who's, you know, like Billy Hamilton-esque out there almost being very speedy, very good at reading balls off the bat. Um, I think, I think that's kind of, I mean, it's just going to be a lot of work because there are still so many, not, not Bryce Harper big names, but there are some really talented people on this ball club that he's just going to have to, you know, not compete against, but, you know, make a name for himself outside of them. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I wanted to talk about, obviously there are some, some exciting new kids on, on the roster, but there are still some sort of tried and true veterans, Anthony Rendon being one of them. You mentioned Juan Soto, a guy who made a big splash last year. A lot of talent still, Sean Doolittle's around. I mean, there's so many names that feel like they've been around forever. And that's not even to talk about the Max Scherzers and Steven Strasburgs of this team. How are those guys kind of dealing with this sort of strange era of Nationals baseball right now? I don't really know if they are dealing with it. It's, um, it's been this really weird sort of transition. They're, they're kind of playing 500 baseball through, like, throughout this first half. I think they're a little bit under 500 right now. But it's just been like, you know, their starting pitching is good when it's good and when it's not it's kind of hopeless you know because their team has this really bad habit so far of scoring a lot of runs just not more than their opponent so those one run losses two run losses they just they sting and they just can't quite get there um i think that sean doolittle's doing his job dude's just doing his job um he's a solid part of a bullpen that is otherwise falling apart um and i think um the biggest thing for me is ryan zimmerman he's been a knack for ever like literally forever as long as the Nats have been the Nats and this I think is the last year of his contract so um it's been really weird he just landed on the injured list um Anthony Rendon has had like maybe three four appearances in the past I don't know like week because he's got I think an elbow injury or something something on him is sore and so he hasn't been playing and it's just like okay well your guys are injured and he's taking up a bench spot and they haven't even put him on the aisle yet um so I don't really know what's going on there and um, I don't know. Max Scherzer's doing what he can. Steven Strasburg's doing what he can. But they need offense to pick him up, and that's not always there. So it's a constant struggle. It makes it difficult when uh, you when you get the pitching that you so desperately need and then still don't win. A couple of familiar faces on this team, obviously Trevor Rosenthal now on the IL as well. That's been a bit of a saga in and of itself. Uh, Matt Adams, a familiar face. Again, back with the Nationals after a brief homecoming with the Cardinals last season. Um, but there are some people that have a, a history but between the Cardinals organization mm-hmm. and the, the Nationals organization. I imagine that's kind of fun to get to it continue their story. <laughs> yes, I love watching Mac Adams. It's just, you know, we've been watching him. We had, he had so many moments in St. Louis that I just, I can't let go of. I'm, I'm always going to root for him. And... Um, I think he's actually going to get some more playing time now because Zimmerman just landed on the on the IL, so he'll be the regular starting first baseman for at least ten more days. So he's always interesting to me because he'll struggle so much that you feel like there's it's just it's done, it's it's over, and then all of a sudden he'll go on a tear, and you're like, oh, that's why we keep trying this. Yeah, and it's like he'll get clutch hits, and you're like, yeah. oh, yeah. And so even when he's, like, struggling, you're like, well, would you put Matt Adams up here? Yeah, because, the, yeah, you know, he has a penchant for that sort of thing. So I still like him as a bench bag, even whenever he is going, like, 0 for 8 or something. Um, and as for Trevor Rosenthal, that is 
mm, that could be going better, a lot better. Um, he's he's on the injured list right now, but he, he I don't even think he's gotten like three outs yet. I, it's been a constant struggle. He just can't find the zone. I don't know if it's like a Rick Ankiel yips thing or if it's just like a recovery from Tommy John thing. I, I was going to ask you that because everyone, no one likes to say that, that that's what's happening because it's even harder to fix that than an injury, right? Because no yeah. one quite knows what the, what the switch is going to be. It's so hard to watch though for him right now because everything that made him successful for a long stretch. And I know he, he caused a lot of heartburn, but he actually was yeah. quite successful as yes. a closer for the St. Louis Cardinals. Despite all of that, it's it, that all of that is gone right now. And it's, um, yeah. I was going to ask if it seems like it's as much, whatever that mysterious mental thing is that sometimes just goes away as it is an actual injury. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's it's been. I mean, watching him has been painful because I just, I want him to do so well, and he just can't find the zone. And he's never like he never had the best control, even when yeah. he was like <laughs> right. peak Trevor Rosenthal. <laughs> so you're like, oh dear, what's gonna happen? Uh, no one knows. So I I I hope that he gets to make a couple of starts, maybe in the minor, not starts, but you know, appearances in the minors, and then figures out whatever is wrong. I don't know if. I, I know a lot of guys when they have Tommy John surgery, they have a team that you know they're guaranteed to come back to. And he had to search for a yeah. home because um, no one really wanted to take that risk. And now, kind of, we're seeing why. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, he can write write the ship. Yeah, I know there were a lot of Cardinals fans, uh, myself included, who kind of hoped that if Rosenthal could return to what he was, he could play a very valuable part in a Cardinals bullpen. Turns out, smart move, not going that route. <laughs> um, the Cardinals bullpen has been very strong. Trevor Rosenthal has not. But it's mm-hmm. uh, it's strange to watch that for sure. Let's stay with pitching for a minute because mm-hmm. the starting pitching for the Nationals seems to always keep them in, in a series. When you've got Max Scherzer, you've got Steven Strasburg. In this series, uh, we'll see Patrick Corbin, who was a big offseason mm-hmm. addition. Uh, we'll see Annabelle Sanchez. Then it'll be Max Scherzer and Strasburg to end the four-game set. For the Cardinals, it'll be Michael Waka coming back from missing his last start with a bit of a knee issue. Then we'll have Adam Wainwright coming off of a strong start, followed by Miles Michaelis, who should be their ace, but has had a little bit of trouble getting it going. And then in that four-start, not super sure who the starter is going to be at this point on the Cardinal side of things. So when you look at what the, the starting pitching has done for the Nationals this year, when you look at the addition of Corbin, let's just start there. What does a guy like that do when you add him to Scherzer and Strasburg? 100%, in my opinion, the best move of their offseason. I love that. I think that they really needed a third person in the rotation because, you know, two of your pitchers, they can't carry a team, you know, that's what maximum 40% of your games and they're not going to win all of them so you know you can't just rag on the backs of those two and so now you've got a really good third starter and that just kind of you, you know with their bullpen success that they had had you're like okay their pitching's gonna be like lights out it's gonna be amazing um but you know that's kind of been the thing Patrick Corbin will do well he'll get them to that sixth or seventh thing and then it just kind of crumbles um and I think but, but like I said, that was the best move, I think, of the offseason, was just really shoring up their rotation, being like, look, we, ha- we have three weapons that you're always going to have to go up against, and it's always going to be a struggle for opposing hitters. Yeah, that was uh, – Corbin was a guy that a lot of teams had their eyes on, I think, and I, I felt like 
similarly. Oh, that's a really that's a really good get for the Nationals because of who they compare him with. Of course, uh, throwing from the left side, he's got a slider that will prove difficult for the Cardinals hitters, as all left-handed sliders do. Um, but I did notice, I mean, he's he's walked six on the season and struck out 39. It's a pretty decent ratio. Absolutely. He's, you know, he's done so good. And I'm I'm really happy to see that. Like, he's always keeping him in it, like you said. And, you know, I, they need pitchers who can do that, but their offense has got to pick him up. They got to score runs. That, that second game of the series is intriguing to me with Sanchez and Wainwright because it feels like of the three, that's the least predictable. Yeah, as absolutely. As what we're going to see. You know, Sanchez is, I mean, of, of their five starters right now, um, the three you mentioned, and then I think Helix and Sanchez, um, he's probably definitely number five. Like, he's not, not great, um, to put it lightly. And so for me, it's kind of like, him and then Adam Wainwright's been a constant question mark. Like he's been on and he's had really great games and then he's had really big struggles this season so far. And you're like, which Wango is going to show up? I don't know. I know which one I hope for, but you know, it's a question mark. So that's going to be really fun. I'm excited to see um, how that ends up, uh, whether or not Wango's curveball can really continue mystifying Nationals hitters or whether Angabal Sanchez can finally get it together. Yeah, yeah, I, I am curious. The most curious about that game, then as I mentioned, Max Scherzer against Miles Michaelis could be That's a really be strong, yeah, awesome. really strong pitching <laughs> performance. What do you look forward to the most in a Max Scherzer start? Do the strikeouts. He's just he strikes out everybody. It seems like I remember there was a game I went to where he was, I think he was on pace at one point for like twenty two strikeouts. It's like, um, it was great. And I mean, that's kind of what I remember about Max Scherzer. And he's always so intense. I just love watching him like stalk around the mound after a strikeout, just like talking to himself. He's like either pumping himself up or like, oh man, I made a real big mistake. I got to fix it. And he's just so like into it. I love that. It reminds me almost kind of like Chris Carpenter level intensity. I just, I, I really enjoy watching Yeah, that. I was going to say, I, I see a little bit of that uh, don't talk to him because he might bite your head off kind of intensity, which is you you love seeing that in a guy that's out there competing at his level. And, and I feel like sometimes the guys who are the best at what they do can sort of tap into that intensity in a way that, that other guys can't. On the flip side, I don't think Miles Michaelis does that. He kind of does no. the reverse. He's like the yeah. most chill sort of ace-ish pitcher that I think yeah. I can imagine. And he just sort of like casually goes out there and does his thing. And that's that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he he's another guy though. He doesn't really walk people. He's yeah. like, I'm, here's a here's a ball in the zone. If you can hit it, hit it. Good luck. I love that. And unfortunately for him, it's gotten hit a little more this year yes. as far as home yeah. runs are concerned. That has been. I don't know that I would say I'm concerned about Miles Michaelis at this point, but it's been strange to see so many home runs launched off of a guy that really eliminated that threat pretty much entirely last season. Last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Right. We'll see how that matchup goes. And then, like I said, I don't know quite who the Cardinals are going to throw in that fourth game, but Steven Strasburg is always interesting to me because I feel like he's been there for so long, but as good as he is, he kind of, he's the shadow to Max Scherzer, right? But yeah. what is it that he does as the shadow to Max Scherzer that is so important to this team? I mean, he's, he brings it every time. He's so good at pitching obviously but like he's actually starting to use his curveball more and I think that's something that he's really learned to like 
he's an adapter. He adapts to whatever he's got on any given start. He's really good at that. He sees what they're hitting and he's like, okay, well, if they're hitting this, I don't have that tonight. So I'm going to use this. And I think he works really well. I think he's vibing pretty good with the new catchers on the nationals roster. Um, and so I think that's kind of the thing he has on Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer is a clear, like, this is what I have and I'm going to throw it. And if you can hit it, well, it's at my cap kind of dude. But Strasburg is always going to be kind of more in that mental game where it's like, okay, I'm going to throw this and I'm, because that's what I've got this day. Yeah, I, that's that's really interesting. I love when you see that and you can uh, – because not many people can do that, I feel like. There aren't a whole yes. lot of guys who can be mental enough about what they're doing to think through it while they're doing it as opposed to kind of just shutting their brain off and, and doing what they're what they're trained to do. So that's, that's interesting. I like seeing that um, – and, and Strasburg is a guy that I think, like I said, for me, I kind of always go, oh, yeah, Steven Strasburg. <laughs> um, but that's just sort of the, the nature of playing alongside someone who's as good as, as Max yeah. Scherzer is. But he's, he's definitely beloved here in D.C., for sure. Oh, I've, I'm sure. I'm sure he is. Um, and it's, you know, that's, I feel like I don't have a great beat on what East Coast baseball fans uh, are, are constantly stirring up as much as obviously I'm in the Midwest. I, I know the, the National League Central and their fans pretty well, but um, between Nationals fans and, and to some extent like Phillies fans and even Mets fans, it's um, it's always interesting to me to, to find that sort of the beat of a different fan base. <laughs> um, you mentioned Rendon not playing the last couple of days. One of the other questions uh, from Twitter was, is there a chance, do you feel like, the, the Nationals would be interested in bringing him back next year. He's a guy that I think a lot of people have talked about as one of those big free agent possibilities next season, where he's going to land, where he's going to, gonna how long the contract is going to be, all those things. Is there a chance that he stays in D.C., do you think? I think there might be. I mean, if the Nationals aren't interested, they sure should be. Because, <laughs> I mean, he's... I mean, personally, I think he's better than Nolan Arenado in a lot of ways. So, I mean, he's probably going to be, like, one of the best free agents on the market this year. So, I think that, you know, personally, he should trust the, he should try free agency and, you know, given that who his agent is, I'm sure, hopefully he'll probably make that route. But the Nationals also really tend to backload their contracts. And I think that played a lot into Bryce Harper not signing here. Um, so, all that deferred money. And I, I don't think they'd be willing to... You know, if they weren't willing to do that for Bryce, they're probably not going to be willing to do it for Anthony Rendon to pay him up front and, you know, on a year-by-year basis, you know, what he's worth. So I I don't really know. Like, that's a huge question mark. They've had some meetings and they've had discussions, air quotes, discussions. Um, but I don't know where that's going to land. It's uh, The learners are, do not have the best history whenever it comes to decision-making in these areas. So I I don't know. Yeah, I was going to ask if you feel like he's a bit underrated because he's a guy oh, that yeah. is in a lot of those conversations, but not always in the same breath as Nolan Arenado or Manny Machado or whomever else it might be. He's he's somehow never been an all-star, but has played all-star baseball the last two seasons. Like, he's <laughs> so underrated. And he's, weirdly enough, I think he's fine with that. Like, I think mm. he's totally fine just going about his business doing what he does. And I'm over here like, no, no, you're like the best. What are you even doing? This is like all-star Anthony Rendon, please. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the, the chance he gets. Um, I also wanted to ask real quick about the, the situation with the manager in D.C. Because I feel like 
I, as you know, <laughs> these things uh, sort of explode very quickly with managerial drama between Mike Matheny mm-hmm. and uh, others in the National League Central in the last couple of years. Martinez uh, feeling the heat a little bit, and it's it's still only April, but what is what is the the drama right now, and what what do, are people wanting him to do that he isn't doing right now? I mean. I don't really like him as a manager. He he's studied under the tutelage of Joe Madden, who, you know, obviously being a Cardinals fan is not <laughs> one of my favorites. But he really like he kind of brought that whole like, let's have fun and let's do things mentality. And I just don't I don't know, like Dusty Baker got so screwed. Um, I think he he ninety plus win seasons both years that he was here. He got them to the postseason two years consecutively for the first time since they moved back to DC. Um, and he they just didn't think Dusty was enough or something. I don't know. He was he was good. He was exactly what they needed in my opinion. And they dumped him for Davy. And last year he he tried to prove himself and he just didn't. He couldn't match up. And so this year we're like, okay, round two. Round two isn't starting off that well. Um, you know, and to be fair, he does not have a lot of pieces to work with in the bullpen and they're blowing it like hardcore, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, you, you have to work within what you're giving and is he utilizing the bullpen the way he should? Not always. And he showed real, like he, he did not do that very well last year. And so he hasn't like gotten any better at that, which you would have expected him to do. Um, he's not, I don't know. He doesn't give me like. I don't want to say he doesn't give me like leadership vibes, but he's just not, I don't know. I just really like Dusty Baker. And I thought that that they were on an upward trajectory and then it just kind of fell apart. And not that all Nats fans like Dusty Baker. A lot of them didn't. But, you know, at the end of the day, he was able to utilize the bullpen effectively and all of the pieces. So it's just comparatively, Davey's not really matching up yet. Yeah, it's it's always. I mean, it feels like it's always bullpens, right? <laughs> if a manager always, is bad always. at something, it's always always bullpen management. I think in many respects that just proves how difficult bullpen management is. But sure. at the same time, you know, it takes a really special person to be able to sort of pull the right strings and, and make those mm-hmm. pieces work, especially yep. if you know you've got guys who just aren't performing. And there's there's an element to that as well that you know a manager can only do so much if yeah. uh, if guys aren't going out and, and executing what their job is, but. That just adds so much pressure and so much tension, I think, to any season, especially when it starts out this early. We saw it with the Reds last year. We saw it with the Cardinals last year. It just there's this kind of dark cloud, no matter what happens. So I, I'm I'll be interested to see what happens there with Davy. Is it? Do you feel like there's any sense that he's actually on the hot seat? Like there's any any danger of his job being taken, or is it just sort of? the tension of the bad start. I don't think so. I think I, I could be wrong, but I think they, the nationals have such managerial turnover so often, you know, and they've never really had, or at least not since I've been a fan, like a, a great one outside of dusty. Really. It's always been just, you know, this cycle of like two years and then they're gone. And uh, I just, I don't think they want to, do that again I think they really want to have some sort of stable presence at the top and right now I think what they may be simply considering this like his you know his learning curve 
you know, like last year there were some real stupid things. Like he, he changed, he made a pitching change before a pink figure had been announced. Like just little things like that. And you're like, okay, he's not going to do that again, but you know, it's little things that he had to learn. And, um, I think they're the, I think that the learn, the learner family is probably looking at it like, okay, we'll give him some more time to sort of acclimate. Unfortunately, potentially for Nationals fans who have to watch that happen. All right, last question for you. As we look at the series okay. with the Cardinals and the Nationals, if there was a key to the series for the Nationals to come out of it feeling like, okay, this was a success, what's the key to this series for Washington, D.C.? I would say just get to get to the St. Louis Cardinals pitching. I mean, because we have, what, Waka, who's a question mark, Wango, who's a question mark, Michaelis, who's been iffy at times. If you can get to the Thorgers, then, you know, then, like I said earlier, like they're just not scoring enough runs. Well, this would be a series in which they can finally overcome that and really be like, okay, our offense is really going to take off right now. Yeah, and the, that starting pitching has really been the key for the Cardinals in many respects. I would say offensively for the Cardinals, the key is going to continue to be Marcelo Zuna because he's on a what different level there, yeah. right now. Uh, <laughs> he fell off the wall in left field and suddenly became a good baseball player again. I don't know what happened. Um, no, but he's in... He's been something else, and it's been really fun to watch what he's doing. And, you know, you always kind of felt like, at least I did, that if this team was going to be what it was capable of offensively, it was kind of going to start and end with Marcelo Zuna doing what yeah. they brought him to St. Louis to do. And, and all of a sudden, he's doing it. So offensively, yeah. that seems to be uh, that seems to be the, the turning point or, or the key for these St. Louis Cardinals. But it should be an interesting series with the way that pitching has gone for both teams, be it the starters or the relievers or the Nationals. So, Audrey, thanks so much for your time. Where can people find stuff that you write and put into the world of the internet? Um, I am contributing to Fangraphs right now, and you can find me on Twitter at HighStarkSunday. All right. Everyone, make sure you give Audrey a follow, and we will talk again sometime. Thanks so much. All right. Yes. Thank you. The Cardinals head to D.C. after wrapping up a series with the Cincinnati Reds, and the Nationals conclude a series with the Padres prior to hosting the Cardinals this week. On paper, this looks like a series that will come down to pitching, which probably means it's going to be like 12 to 7 every night. So buckle up, we'll see what happens, because you know we can't really predict this game. But my thanks to Audrey for joining me to give it a shot. Make sure you follow her on Twitter and check out her work over at Fangraphs. Make sure you're following me because then we can continue this conversation. Subscribe to this channel for more game recaps, more series previews, among other things. And let me know in the comments below which starting pitcher you are most excited to see as far as the matchup between the Nationals and the Cardinals. I think that's all I've got. So I'll see you next time.